0: Alright, i must say good morning. So today's daf is Mem Vav. Today's daf is 46. We're picking up on Mem Hei Amud Beis, 45b, and we're picking up four lines up from the bottom the Savar Rabbi Huda. Vesav Rabbi Huda Lelakos, Vesav Rabbi Huda Lelakos, Lokemikomacham. Now, Boss, remember in yesterday's DAF, we spoke about Macho Augustine Rabbi Huda in the Rabbanon about under what circumstances there are Malkus and what circumstances does one pay the fine. For Mosi Shemra. So the is just that according to Rabbi Yehuda, you get Malchus no matter what, meaning whether there was Baal or lo Baal whether there was relations or not. So the Gemara says, Is that true? Rabbi Yehuda holds <laughs> that you get Malchus no matter what. Tanya we learned. Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Yehuda says, Baal, Baal, loke, lo baal, in you know, Yet the Bryce says that Rabbi Huda holds that Rabbi in the only case of Mosi Shemra, where the husband, with the baal will get Malchus is if he had relations with his wife. But if there were no relations, so he doesn't get Malkus, mm-hmm. what that means is, even in a situation where the Mosi Shemra husband would not be liable to Malchus, to lashes mid the Oraisa, we still give him Malchus Mardus, which Rabbi means, rabbinic lashes, so there is this kind of, we've spoken about this a number of times, that in circumstances for whatever reason where you can't administer the biblical punishment, Chazal, the, the basin, always has the ability to administer rabbinic lashes. Top of Memvav. Rapapa, Rapapa says, no, no, no. My Baal Lokeh. What does it mean when it says that if he has relations with his wife, this is the most shame Rabba and then claims that she wasn't the Besulah, that he gets Malchus. My Baal, ba'al Lokeh diktani hasam. Mamon. Loke, in this context doesn't mean lashes Loke, in fact means money he has to pay the karile la mamon malchus but do we ever call do we ever call an obligation to pay malchus in? in fact we do we learned it's an interesting case a person says half of my erech is on me Then I both say remember there is a concept of the concept of an erech vow. So remember again, so an Erech means a person pledges to give their value. Now these are, an Erech actually is, a sub, is an objective amount depending on gender and depending on age. So a person goes ahead and pledges their Erech, their value, to the base HaMikdash. So if someone says... I pledge half of my value. So let's say my value is uh, 500 seller, and so I go ahead and I pledge half of my value, 250 sell to the base of Mikdush. What's that? Lacha? No sin, no saying Okay, so I have to pay half of my value to the base of Mikdush. Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Huda Omer, loke, v'no Erech Shalin. Rabbi Yossi Rabbi says, you're loke, and I'm going to say, that sounds like you get Malkus, and you have to pay your full value. Loke am I? Why would you get Malkus? For making a neder, an, an Erech vow, for half of your Erech. Amra, um, Papa, no, no, no. be be'erech shaling. What it means is both say, so loke literally means he gets lashed or, or he's stricken, right? So what does it mean? It means he's lashed with the whole value. In other words, that it doesn't mean he gets malchus. It means he gets, it's imposed upon him the entire value. So you see what? So, the, first, of all, first, of all, so first of all, what you see over here is that loke that Lashon, is used in a monetary sense, that a person, can, so when it says a person can get, you know, low with mamon, it means that ultimately they're, str- they're stricken with the obligation to go ahead and pay the entire value. Now, my time, so first of all, why is that, by the way? Why is that, that if I make a vow saying that I pledge half of my erech, half of my value, that I get I get hit over the head and I have to pay the whole value? So my time, kezeirach uh, hatziyarko, Atu Erech said It's exeter that we're concerned that if we only let you pay half in the case of where a person says half of my value, a person may come to confuse that with the case of where a person makes a neder for a value of their half. So as I say, there's a chilek between this discussion of I want to, I'm making a neder for half of my value versus a value of my half. The erech Because if a person makes, let's say, I say I want to take, I want to make a nether for for the value of the half of half of my body. The erech has yoke. But I'll say the halacha is like this: If a person says, just to give you a simple case, a person says, I want to give the value, I want to give the erech of my head. So what's the halacha? The halacha is they have to give the Erech of their entire body. Why? Because if you go ahead and you make an Erech vow with what we call an aver Shana Shama something that you need in order to live then, Lema what you have to give your entire value. As opposed to, let's say, if I say, I want to give the value of my arm. So technically, a person can live without an arm. Technically, there is a way to assess what the value of an arm is. But if it's what's called, if it's called an Aver so, Neshama a part of the body in which the soul is dependent, life is dependent, you must give the entire value. Therefore, I say, the Gemara is afraid of like this. If a person says, I pledge the Erech value of half of my body, so what is the halachot in such a case like that? So if you pledge, you can't live without half of your body. Therefore, what is the halachot? The halachot is you have to pay the entire amount. So what we're concerned about over here is that, but yet if you say, I want to give half of my erech, Technically speaking, such a nedar like that would work because of that saying is, I know my whole value. I want to give half of that amount. So therefore, again, what the gemara is suggesting over here is that in a case where you say I want to give half of my value, we make you pay the whole value, lest you confuse that with a case of where a person says I want to give the value of my half. But I both say so. Remember, we're not learning about nedarim right now for our purposes, what's important about this is what? That you see that the Lashon of Lokeh is used in conjunction with an obligation to pay. So we'll say, now we're going to go through and dissect the Pasek of Moti So remember, again, this is talking about the man who went ahead and claimed that his wife was not a basula, and then it turns out that he was lying. So the G'marsus va'anshuo, so they punish him. Zemamon, that refers to money, he has to pay money. V'yisru, they go ahead and they afflict him. Zemalkus, this refers to Malkus. Bishlam va'anshu zemamon, I understand whether the word refers to monetary compensation. also v'nasnu because the Pasek says quite explicitly, they will punish him by making him pay 100 Silver pieces and give it to the father of the girl. Ella ve yisru zemalkes But how do we know that the word <speaking in Hebrew> refers to Malkus. I'm Rabbi La manu yisru yisru mi yisru. So I will say, so listen to this. This is by Ben Sorer Umora. So in the case of Ben Sora, the rebellious son, so the Torah says, <speaking in Hebrew> So right, so it says, it says Yisru over there. Now I will say, now we don't know what Yisru in that context necessarily means either. But here's what we do know: the Yisru Uben Mibin. But I'll say listen to this. Right after the word Yisru or I should say in the pasak of the word V'Yisru we have the Pasuk Ben ben sorer umora. Now I will say that word Ben nun also applies in another context and it will be if the evil person is liable to lashes so we'll say see, see what's happening over here similar to the drasha we had yesterday we have we have a connection of Yisru Yisru so Yisru connects Moshe Shemra to Ben Surimora in Ben Surimora the same pasuk of Yisru also has the word Ben Beiznun and that same word Beiznun is all, was found where in the pasuk by Malchus from there we learn out that Yisru also Ultimately again means Malkus Azhara. But where is the warning from Shiran And now this is an interesting idea in general. That in the Torah, in the Torah, the way the way that the legal system of the Torah works is the following. For every single prohibition, you need two things. You need an Ashara and you need an onesh. You need a specific passage that tells you that something is asr, no mention of the punishment, but just that the act is Asar. And then you need another Pasuk to teach you about what the punishment for the particular wrongful act is. So the Gemara asks, where is the Ashara from Otsishimra? From where do we know... That it is prohibited for a man to go ahead and lie about the virginity of his wife. Where do we know that? So Rabbi Lazar, Rabbi Lazar says Milos Selech because the Pasik says we'll say what? Selech we'll like which we normally assume refers to what? Lashon Hara. He's not permitted to slander or speak badly by another yeah. person. Very simple. So a husband is certainly a husband is not permitted to speak negatively or ill or or, or untruthfully about his wife. Rabbi Nassim, Rabbi Nasser says. So we'll say that's Rabbi Lazar. Rabbi Nassim says. You must guard yourself from every evil thing. And obviously the act of speaking ill about one's wife is an evil thing. So the Gemara says Rabbi Elazar, my time lo amar me may hi. So why doesn't Rabbi Elozer agree with Rabbi Nasan that you can learn it out from called Davara? Very simple, halumi bali lechidra pincas benyoir. Because Rabbi Elazar requires the pasak of called Davara, you shall guard yourself from every evil thing. He needs that for the drasha Pinchas benyoir. What was the drasha pincas benyoir? So the Gemara says Vinishmartami called What does it mean? In the pasak you shall guard yourself from every evil thing. I'm not a Pinachas Penyar. her Adam Bayo. The Yavo Lidi Tuma Balayla. A Pinachas Penyar says a person should not have impure. Or improper thoughts by day, because it could lead to a seminal emission at night. That's how we, that's how Rabbi Lazer uses that particular pasuk. Rabbi my time of Mehai. Why doesn't Rabbi Nelson agree with Rabbi Lazar that you learn it out from Losilech Baamecha? Do not be a gossip monger or tail bearer. because Rabbi Nelson feels that Losilech Baamecha is in fact a warning to Bezdin, laze that ultimately, in should not be hard on one litigant and soft on another. And also, it's, it's interesting, so Rashi points out over here, if you look at Rashi, he says, rach l'zeh, lashon rach li It's very interesting. So, l'selech rachil means, do not be rachli, do not be soft on one litigant and hard on the other litigant. Therefore, I both say, both will agree both will agree that obviously there is an ashara, there is a warning for Mosi Shemra, but they will disagree as to what that particular warning is. So let's listen to this. So, the normal case, well, let's actually see this. Let's say the husband did not hire the witnesses to come and to testify that his wife wasn't the basula, but the witnesses come on their own. That obviously, we must say now everybody's lying over here. Witnesses are lying, husband is lying. But the point is the husband did not arrange for the witnesses to come. So what's that lock and They come to testify on their own volition. Who in a loka? So the husband doesn't get Malchus and does not have to pay the 100 silver pieces. He But she, the wife, and the Zomaman witnesses, the witness of the Zomaman, Go out to be stoned. When it says, What are you talking about? That she and the witness are going out to be stoned? Rather, either she or the witnesses are going to be killed. And others say that if the witness, so this is a case here where the husband did not go out and hire the witnesses. So there are two, there are two possibilities. The witness is telling the truth. If the witnesses are telling the truth, then she's, she's executed. If the witnesses are lying, then assuming, that say, they're disqualified by being they receive reciprocal punishment and they are executed. But if it does turn out that they're lying, even if they're executed, he does not get the fine and the lashes. So the Gemara says, Taima to lo'amr ha ha lehu so, the reason why the husband is not held accountable in this case is because he did not order the witnesses to come. But had he ordered the witnesses to come, apparently, again, he would have been liable, even though he did not actually hire them. Rabbi Rabbi says, Ad Yehuda Yisgar Eden, Rabbi Huda that a husband is not Chayyah from Malti Shemra until what? Until he himself actually hires witnesses. My time Rabbi Huda. So we will say, why, is, why does Rabbi Huda hold? So we'll say, which is interesting. So what it's saying is, if I convince two guys to lie for me about my wife, then the mice say, again, I'm not Chayyah. I actually have to pay them money in order to be Chayyah from Otsi Shemra. So what's the Pshat? My time Rabbi Huda. i Rabbi Avow. Asya Sima Sima we go ahead and we make up we make a zira shava of sima sima sif it says of by that he put upon her or he made he extended about her really he created about her alilostivarim lois uk lo to simon allav nashakh the pause says you shall not put interest upon him halon, mamon just like sima by interest refers to money Afkan Mammon, so tov isam la alilas tvarim refers to what that I hired witnesses to lie about this woman. Asya Sima Sima. So, we have another another opinion that backs up this same idea, sheva, of Sima Sima, and that teaches us at least Rabbi Yehuda that in order to be high for Mosi shemra, husband has to actually go ahead and hire the witnesses. By Rabbi Rabbi says, kamahu." to listen to this. Let's say I hired the witnesses. I am the husband. I hired the witnesses, but I didn't hire them with money. I hired them with property. I paid them in real in real property and land. Or bepachos mishaver pruta. Or I paid them with less than a pruta. So ma'hu, what's ta'alacha? Or sh'nei be be'pruta. Or I hired both of them with one pruta. So we'll say again, in all of these cases, ma'hu, what's the halacha? In other words, in all of these cases, does sima sima mean that it has to be actual money? Or does sima sima mean that there must be some level of financial consideration? Whether that consideration is in the form of real estate, whether that consideration is even less than a shavar pruta, as long as it's something That's Rabbi Huda is talking about. Furthermore, another kasha, by Rabbi Yashi, Hotsi shema al-anisun ha-rishon This is actually very interesting. Let's say a man marries a woman. He divorces her. She doesn't remarry anyone else. So he remarries her. Now, second marriage to the same man. And then what happens? After they get married the second time, he says, oh, and by the way, when we were married the first time, you were not a basula. So he's shame shaymra now after he remarried her the second time. What's halacha? So the Imara says, last question. Furthermore, on the mahu, he will say, let's say a man does yibum, and after he does yibum, he brings witnesses to say that his wife, his present wife, was not a basula when she married his brother. So what's talakha about saying all of these cases? So the Imara says, you know what? I don't know, but I could tell you. I can at least answer one of these cases. The tiny Yona, By the case of Moshe when the father defends his daughter, the father says, I gave my daughter to this man. So So we'll say, what does it say? It says, for the, 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 the stands, this comes to exclude what case? Or actually it only refers to a case of where the father married off the girl to this man. But excludes a case of Yibum. In other words, I both say that Halach saw the Yavam could never have a claim that she was not a Besula at the time that she married his brother. So, although the Gemara just has five different kashas, the Gemara doesn't answer. Them. The Gemara leaves them open for now, but answers at least the Yibum case. So, there is, the Yavam has no claim. Of besula, so the Gemara says, "My rabban my Rabbi ben So, we also remember again, two days ago, actually yesterday, also. No, I'm sorry, yesterday, we quoted the machlok in the rabban and Rabbi Eliezer So, the Gemara says, "What is the nature of this machlok? Is What is the process of moti sheimra? So, what happens? A up in beizdin, man shows up in beizdin and says, "Ploni, so and so, I married your daughter." I married your daughter, and I did not find that she was a b'sula. If there are witnesses that she committed adultery while she was in Arusa, she gets a k'suva of 100 zuz. says, what? What are you talking about? If she, there are witnesses that she committed adultery while she was in Arusa, forget about k'suva, she's a baskila. she's executed. That's what it means to say. If there are witnesses that she committed adultery while she was in Arusa, so she is punished with Skila. But if ultimately she went ahead and she, she committed Znus, from the beginning, meaning we'll say from the beginning means before she was in Arusa, so that's certainly not good, certainly not good, but. One is not chayiv for that, right? If a girl, if a woman goes ahead and engages in a relationship prior to being married, prior to erusin, certainly again not good, but no death penalty. Then yeshel ksuva And I was saying this is interesting. Then she only has ksuva man. I was remember we had this this discussion a couple of weeks ago about if a man marries a woman under the assumption that she's a Basula, and then it turns out that she's not a Basula, So what is the status of that marriage? So there's an opinion that says that it's a mekachtos, right? That it's a, it's a, it's, a, it's a that it's a, it's a mistaken transaction and therefore again it's avoidable marriage but l'maysa again this, this opinion clearly holds that that is not the case so l'maysa again she, the marriage stands but she only has a as if she was a ba'ula as if she's not a basula only 100 n'mtza excuse me ayesh ino shemra let's say it turns out that the husband was lying she was a Basula. Then what's the <inaudible> halacha? Lo kevenosin mei asela. Then what's the halacha? He gets malchus for lying, and he has to pay one hundred sela. Bein baal ubein lo baal. Whether he had relations with her or didn't have relations with her, yes, he, he gets malchus, and he has to pay the money. This is the opinion of the Rabbanon. Rabbi Eliezer ben Yaakov Omer, Lo neemrud vraham halalu ella Rabbi Eliezer ben Yaakov says no. The entire process of motzi shemra only occurs when, I should say, the punishments of motzi Shemra only apply when, for the husband, only apply if there were relations. If he didn't have relations with her, then it turns out that he was lying, there's no malkis and there's no 100 Selah. Bishlam, Yaakov, so according to B'lazven Yaakov, who says that there has to be bia in order to initiate the motzi Shemra process. It makes sense, because the Pasik says that he will come unto her, and he will come close to her, which seems to connote marital intimacy, but according to the Rabbana, they would say that you could have a case of Moshe Shemra even when there was no bia. So, what do they do with these phrases of Uba'ilaha? So the Gemara says, ba'alilos," When he came unto her, that means with lies, ba'alilos with claims, The and ultimately again, he came closer but with words. So, those refer to the fact that he's developing a claim against her who says that there has to be Biyah, so the Pasik that says that the husband says, I did not find that your daughter was a besula," makes sense. How didn't I find that your daughter was a besula? Because they were relations. That makes sense. But according to the Rabanan, what does it mean when it says, I did not find Bisulim for your daughter? I did not find for your daughter anyone that would uphold the basula. Well, so in other words, like this: What's the case over here? The case over here is, the case over here is that there are witnesses that are coming forward, and are saying that she was not a basula. Now, according to according to the Rabbanon, who say that it doesn't have to be biyah. So, how would that claim be countered by making that first set of witnesses zomamin? So, according according to according to the Rabbanon, lo the bitcha basula means. I did not find Edim who would be able to refute the testimony of the set of Edim who are in front of us now. S'kidda Yaakov says that the father, the father in support of his daughter, says these are the basulim of my daughter, which normally refers to the fact that he's producing a sheet with virginal blood on it. But what according to Rabbanan what does it mean when it says these are the basulim of my daughter? These are the witnesses that will. Uphold the basula status of my daughter. I want to say, now I remember... You can't testify that somebody is a basula. The only thing you could testify to is if witnesses show up and say, She is not a basula because we saw her engage in bia with Ruvain on so and so date. And then another set of witnesses come along and say, No way. I, we, you can't." I don't know what she is, what she's not, but you can't testify about that act. Why? You're with us on that date. And I was saying, Now, once you disqualify that set of witnesses, by definition, every woman has a chazakah. That she's a basula. So once you discount the set of witnesses that came to testify, then by definition you restore her basula status. So what's according to Yaakov? It makes sense when it says that they spread out the sheet. That's a reference to the sheet on which the first act of relations occurred, and they show that there's blood, and therefore that's a that's that's the right that she's a basula. But according to Rabbanu, what does it mean that they spread out the sheet? I'm Rabbi they go ahead and literally, they spread out that which has been leveled against her. Elizabeth, what that means is that they lay out the claim. They lay out the claim in order to disprove it. What does it mean that ultimately, they go ahead and they spread, they spread out the sheet? in spread out the Shaza. What it means is, they put everything on the table. This set of witnesses the next set of witnesses, and they duke it out, right, and they establish who is correct, and they make it as clean and as and as clear as a brand new garment. Rabbi Eliezer Yaakov Omer, Dvarim Kikh Savon Simla Mamish, and Rabbi Eliezer Yaakov on the other hand says, no, it means Kikh Savon, as it's written, that literally they produced the sheet upon which the first act of relations occurred. Shalach Rabbi Yitzchak Bar ya- Bar Rabbi Yaakov bar Rabbi Yochanan. I hear something very interesting. It's Rabbi, Rabbi Yitzchak ben Yaakov said the following, even normally in the Torah, we don't make a chilek between and we we're both saying that based on the pasuk of that the Torah recognizes that there are two different valid forms of relations with a woman. So normally we don't make a distinction. However, the Gemara says, Lemakos, I'm sorry. Uh, so again, remember, for for both receiving lashes as well as for punishment. So a prohibited bia covers bia kedarka and bia shalok kedarka. Avamotzi shemra chalak, but by motzi shemra there is a chilak because ain't no chayev ad sheyivel shalok kedarka. The yotzi shemra kedar. Because there was now. This reads a little bit strange. It sounds like. You're only chayiv for Moti Shemra if the husband had Biya Shalok Kedarka with his wife. Of course, that can't be what it means. So Rashi understands what it means is that even if the only Biya that the husband had with his wife was bia Shalok Kidarka, he still can go ahead and claim that she was not a Basula based on a Biya Kidarka that she had during Aresin. On the other hand, the Gemara says. Who's opinion does this reflect? If you want to say it's like the Rabbanon, remember that can't because the Rabbanon say that you could be mostly shemra even if what, even if there was no bia at all. And, and if you like Rabbanon Yaakov, then Edv Edkiderka. Then both say, Remember, Rabbanon Yaakov requires that the husband know or the husband make the claim that she is not a besula. Why? based on first-hand factual knowledge, which would require biya kidarka, right? Biya kidarka. Now, witnesses afterwards to bolster his claim, but he has to be able to say, Do you know why? Because I had relations with her. Obviously, he can only go ahead and make that claim if it was Bia kidarka. Ella shalach rav kahana Rather, I both say the halacha is that a man could only claim, a man can only make the claim of Moti Shemra if number one, he had Bia Kidarka with her, and that he's claiming that she had Bia Kidarka during Eresin as well. Meaning, the claim that she had Bia Shalokidarka does not fall into the realm of motzi Shemra, which makes sense because the whole claim of motzi Shemra is Lo lebitcha I did not find that she was a Basula. That claim obviously only applies through Bia Kidarka. Therefore again, he has to have Bia Kidarka with her after they're married and he has to claim that she must have had Bia Kidarka prior or during Eri Sin as well in order to go ahead and make the claim of motzi Shemra. Says the Mishnah, So we'll say a father, a father is entitled to the Kiddushan of his daughter. Now Rashi points out that this is referring over here to a Ketana or a Nara. So father is entitled to the Kiddushan of his daughter, whether she's a minor or she's a Nara. Whether that kiddushin takes place by money, which in Rosé, in that case, we mean he, the father would get the kesef kiddushin. Shtar would be the one that he's the one who signs on the shtar, he's the one who transacts the shtar. And bia, bia means that he has the ability to give her over to a man for bia. Zakai so b'mitzia, furthermore, again, a father is entitled to whatever his minor daughter finds. And he's entitled to any of her earnings her earnings belong to him as well, and he has the right to to annul her vows, and in the event that her husband divorces her, while she is still a kitana or a na'ara, the father has the ability to accept the get on her behalf. However, enough, he does not have the right to eat, to eat, um, the paydose of her property during her lifetime. I say, Now, where would a girl have property from? Let's say, again, she inherited property from her mother. Let's say from her mother's side. So we'll say here, I'll give you the simple case. Let's say her mother predeceased her father. Mother predeceased the father. And the, I'll say differently. The mother the mother predeceased her father. Okay? So mother predeceased her father. Then what happens? Grandfather dies. And let's assume that granddaughter is the only surviving relative. There's no other relative. So therefore, granddaughter will inherit the property of her grandfather. Technically speaking, the daughter's, the father, I know this is confusing, I'm sorry. Ruvay marries Leah. Ruvay marries Leah and they have a daughter. Okay? Leah has a father, Yaakov. Leah dies before Yaakov. Leah dies before Yaakov. Then Yaakov dies. Remember, if Yaakov died first, Leah would inherit, and once Leah inherits, so then ultimately when Leah dies, her husband Reuben inherits. Here in this case over here, Leah dies first, then Leah's father Yaakov dies. The sole inheritor is Leah's daughter. We'll call her Rachel. Leah's daughter Rachel. So what happens? Rachel inherits all of the property from her grandfather. So what the Mishnah is saying over here is, Her father, Rachel's father, Ruthen, does not have a right to usage or peros of that land. In fact, again, the Gemara explains that what he's obligated to do is essentially put that property in what's called, the the Gemara, Rashi actually calls it, Rashi calls it a, um, what is it called? Skula. Essentially what it means is he puts in a trust. He's got to put on a trust that it's there for her when she reaches the age of of majority, when she reaches adulthood. Furthermore, the Mishnah goes on, Yes, sir, I love A husband has an additional advantage or additional right over the father. That if I marry a woman and she has property, I, as the husband, do have the right to enjoy the fruits of that property, and ultimately, again, a husband is obligated to sustain, to support his wife. and pirkuna. I will say, it's an important thing to know. You're obligated to redeem your wife if she is taken captive. You do have to redeem her. That is the halacha. Pirkuna. I will discuss it. all kidding aside, this this is an important halakhic obligation that is actually part of the k'suvah, as we'll see. Ukvorasa. And Shalom, If a wife predeceases a husband, so he is obligated to go ahead and bury her. Now we will see. This is true even if he dies after her. The halacha is that part of the t'nai kesuvah is that he's obligated to provide for her burial. Rabbi, Rabbi says. And once you I want to speak about the obligation to bury. It's not just any kind of burial; it has to be a bakavadik burial. What's the definition of a bakavadik burial? Afilu lo yifchos Even a poor man in Eretz Yisrael for kavadamis should never have less than two flutes and a mikonenes. We'll say? Mikonenes is a professional professional whaler. Not wha, but rather again wai, right? So a professional. There were these women. There were these women who were like professional mourners, and their job would be like essentially. You're like, they, they, you'd give them like a little bit of information about the deceased, and they would compose these heartfelt, you know, dirges that they would go ahead and they would cry and they would this and their job was to move the people to go ahead and feel the loss. They both said the flutes is fascinating because the truth is the concept for us of music by a funeral is, is far. I've, I've seen this, I saw this once in my life. I was once at fortunately a funeral in Hebron and I saw this where there was, where there was I never saw it before but it's interesting because during the times of the Gemara they had this concept of halil, of flutes. So it's by definition basic covenant ames, Required that you have at least two flute players and a professional whaler, a woman who's uh, who's mikonenis, who is probably a better word for whaling. But he, no mikonen means like whaling. Some, I'm sorry. Tamps. Oh, you're, you're talking about the flute part. Yeah, the flute part. Good. 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 So says the Gemara Bekasef Milan. Rabbi says now here's what's interesting. Now remember again, let's go back. The Gemara is going to go through each of these cases, and we said that halacha lemaisa, halacha lemaisa, a father is entitled to the Kasef Kidushin of his daughter. So the Gemara says, where do we know that from? That a father and said, again, to be clear, this is only talking about a ketana and the nara. Obviously not talking about a Bulgaris. So where do we know that from? Amrav Yudamakra. The Pasik says the ain Kasef interestingly enough, the pasuk says that she will go free in Klasen. And and this is talking about the case of Amar haivriya. If a father sells his daughter off as a servant, so the halacha is that when, if he doesn't marry her, if he doesn't marry her, and if he doesn't marry her off to his son, and if at the end of the day she does she doesn't buy herself out. When she becomes a Bulgaris, an adult woman, she goes free. <laughs> we dashed in there's no money to this master, the Yesh adon But we infer from here that what there is money that would go to another master who is the other master who does receive money. Umanu It refers to her father, and the money that we refer to is what Rab say is The father gets her Kidushin when she gets married. I but say that the money goes to the girl herself. How do you know that the money goes to the father, Kiddush? Maybe the girl gets to keep her own and cast of kiddush. Now that we know that the father is able to be macabal kiddush on her behalf, as well as once we know that the father is able to affect Kiddush on her behalf, the as beatina sati we Shakla will say if the father is the one who's able to affect the Kiddushin, does it make sense that the father affects the Kiddushin but she keeps the money? If the father is the one who affects the Kiddushin, the Pashtra Swat, he is the one who gets to keep the money as well. The ima Hani Mudiketana and the Lesliyad perhaps say that when does the father get to keep the money? That's if the girl's a ketana who doesn't have proper king, Avanaro. The Islayyad Ihi Tikdash the ihi Tishkal Kasbah But with an Arab say who does have a Kinyan Yash she does have the ability to acquire perhaps she should be only only way she should get married is if she is a Macabal for herself and therefore she should also get to keep the money On therefore the Pasuk says Benu Areha base Avihah The Pasuk says when she is a Na'ra literally in her Na'rus she is in her father's home and from that kol Shevach Neurim La'avihah Literally any of the prophet of her Na'ara days, which also includes her, her, her Kitana days, ultimately goes to her father. So we'll say, now we've effectively proven that Lamaisa Lamaisa father gets to keep Kesef Kidushin from a two-pronged drushen. Number one, Vayatsachinam in Kasef, by the Amma Avria, she goes out and her Adon has no money. We infer from there, that Adon has no money, but there's another Adon who does have money. Who does that refer to? Her father. Her father, and therefore since the says, <speaking in Hebrew> she is a Na'ara, anything that is generated ultimately goes to the father. Therefore, because the father has the right to marry her off, therefore he also gets the case of Kiddushin. But yet, Ravuna says said the name of Rav something different. <in Hebrew> From where do we know that anything that the girl, a minor daughter, either Kitana or Na'ara generates, any earnings go to her father, because yeah. the Pesach says, So the Pesach says that a man has the ability to sell his minor daughter as a maidservant, just like a maidservant, her earnings go to her master, So, to a daughter, her earnings go to her father. So the Gemara says, Lamali. So, I don't understand. Why do you need this drasha? Why don't you learn from what we just said above? That when she is a Nara, the Torah says she's in her, she's in her father, so much means anything she generates by definition becomes a property of the father. Why do you need this additional drasha? <inaudible> One second, That's, you have to be honest. Because that Pasukah benu areha beisavi is referring to what? Nidarem. It's referring to the ability to annul vows. And it's telling you that while she is a Nara, she is still considered to be in her father's domain. And the father therefore has the Torah right of to annulment. Or maybe you'll say, Well, why don't you learn out from the Dharma? Why don't you say the same way that Lama saw the father, has the ability to annul her vows, he's also entitled to all of her earnings, including Kesaf Kidushin. To which the Quran says, me isur No, because you'll say, You can't learn out Mamon from isur. A neder is iser. It deals with prohibited items. Mamun is a separate category. So just because you could say that she's in his, and she the daughter is in her, the rishus of the father for iser purposes, would not automatically mean that she is in the rishus of the father for. For mamon purposes, I So maybe learn that from knas. The same way Rabbo said that if there is a knas case, right? If there if there are penalties that are paid to the daughter, ultimately it goes to the father. will say, remember whether that's pitui or whether that's Mefateh or other types of knasos. If since that goes to the father, say that therefore mamon and therefore kesef kiddushin also goes to the father. To which the Gemara answers mamona mknasa lo yafina. No, will say knas and mamon. Are also two different things, and you cannot connect someone. Vikiti when they left me maybe you should say that the same way they are both say if she suffers an injury and Boshas and Pegam, um, humiliation and depreciation go to the father, so to any other monetary item should go to the father as well. Shiny Boshas and Pegam Davi on But rather, Boshas and Pegam is different. Because Boshas and Pegam represent a loss for the father as well. Because again, if the daughter is humiliated, the father is humiliated. There's humiliation for the father. And Pegam, which ultimately means depreciation impacts the father financially as well. Because now perhaps when he tries to marry her off, her value, quote-unquote, will be compromised Rabbi Gemara says, Therefore, I will say again, when the Pasuk says, That when the Amma of goes out, there's no money, but there's another case of where a girl goes out, so to speak, and there is money, that must refer to a similar case. And what is that case? So therefore, again, the Gemara says, it must refer to a case where a girl goes out of her father's domain to get married, that in that case, what? The father does get the case of Kiddushin, But the master says, but those cases are not comparable. The leaving of an Amo Ivria from her master's domain and the leaving of a girl from her father's home to get married are not comparable. Why? But say, when, a, when a girl leaves the domain of her master, she totally leaves. Right there is no there is no connection between the girl and the master. But however, aka ahaav but when a girl let's say becomes betrothed so Kiddushin so even though she leaves the domain of the father that is not a complete leaving of the paternal domain why Rabbi? because there's still the Chuppah there's still Nisuin and Lemais again remember she's still living often in her father's home so she hasn't totally left so let's remember what the Gemara where the Gemara is holding right now is the Gemara wants to go back and say that the Iker drasha that teaches us that a father gets the kesef of his daughter is the yatsa chinam ein kasef. That ultimately, what she will go ahead and. She will go out. She'll go out without charge from her father's home, from the, from the Adon's home in Kasef. There is no money, which we infer from that what? That there are other cases where there will be money. We're trying to say that that means when her father marries her off, when her father marries her off, he gets the Kasef Kiddushin. But the Gemara says, how can you compare those two cases? When an Amma ivriya leaves her Adon's home, there's a total departure. But yet when she leaves her father's home, that is not a total departure because Lamais, again, she is still in his Rishul because she's living in his home. There's still a chuppah required to which the Gemara says, Miha, however, may afaras nadarim Miya nafka. But Rabbi, you know, when it comes at least to a nomen of vows, she did totally leave his home. When it comes to afaras Nadaram, ultimately she is considered to be removed from his reshus Tisnan, that ultimately, again, a betrothed maiden, it is her father and her husband who both are needed to annul her vows. Therefore, what do you see from here? That lemais again, she is removed from the rishos of her father for the sake of annulment of vows. Therefore, that's enough to remove her from his rishos, and that's enough ultimately to compare it to Amma Ivriya. But it's an opposite comparison that an Amma in ain't Kasef, but in the case of a girl, ultimately, again, who was leaving her father's was just because of irisin. Yesh Kasef, that Kasef goes to, the Kasef ultimately goes to her father. We'll say, let's just, let's just do one more. Shtar and yet again, a father, a father is able to transact the Shtar for his daughter's Kiddushin, and he's able to give her over in Biyah for Kiddushin. Menadon, where do we know the father has these, rights? Amakra, v'hay ish acher that she will be to another man. Iskish Ladali, all the different forms of Kiddushin are compared to each other, and therefore, once we establish his rights, in kesef Kiddushin that also establishes his rights to what? To have that Kiddushin for his daughter through Shtar and to ultimately give his daughter over for bia as well.